May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please. How, how, how can this be? Dear Lord, how can this be? God Almighty, how can this be? Confronting news of an improbable birth that must have been truly shocking, Mary gives voice this morning to a question echoed by so many of us. How can it be that more than 200 of our neighbors have been lost to gun violence this year? How can it be that the Missouri General Assembly, Congress, and the Trump administration are so callous to the needs of the most vulnerable among us? And how can it be that the people of the book Christians, Jews, Muslims, regularly use faith to harm rather than to heal. How can it be that marriages fail, children are trafficked, and friends die? How can it be that companies are reorganized, jobs placed in jeopardy, and dreams left in ruin? And how can it be that our hopes so often seem to be little more than airbrushed fantasies? How can it be that my wife Mary, my love and my life for so many years, no longer lives to share a 40th Christmas together? Lord, how can this be? Mary's question is profound. It's the essence of this morning's gospel. And in no small measure, it frames the lives we live the hurts we endure, and the faith we embrace. But the answer to Mary's question, and ours, requires some time with her history. Today our hopes and expectations are brought into far clearer focus as Luke shares the angel Gabriel's visit to Mary, informing her that she will be the mother of God's Son. After weeks of Advent preparation and wondering, we now know explicitly the purpose of our reflection. The one is coming, a child, Jesus. However, unlike the stories in the Hebrew scriptures which announce the imminent birth of other prominent children, like Isaac and Samson, or even the prediction of John the Baptist's birth, this morning's text is distinct. While announcing Jesus' impending birth, he is not, he is not, the principal topic of Luke's gospel this morning. For that, dear friends, we have to wait till this evening. Rather, he draws your attention and mine to Mary. And in doing so, he highlights her duty and her obedience, modeling for us, even in our pain, the response we are invited to share as Christ's breaks into our lives and into the world. Despite the uniqueness of this particular annunciation, it follows a literary pattern similar to other biblical stories which foretell the birth of a child, beginning with what scholars call a divine confrontation. Trailing on the heels of Gabriel's appearance to Elizabeth 
announcing the birth of John the Baptist, he then appears to Mary. The particularity of this appearance is striking. It's a specific time in a specific town with a specific woman. In fact, all that seems to be missing amidst this detailed account by Luke is what Mary was wearing. Well, the function of this meticulous narrative seems obvious. For the skeptics of ancient Israel, as well as the skeptics among us, Luke grounds this divine confrontation in real time and real history. This is all the more important when we consider who this young woman was and what she will be asked to do. Yet at this early point in the narrative, we're informed only that she was quite young, perhaps not even a teenager, that she was engaged to a man named Joseph, and that they had not consummated their relationship. In the next section of the text, Gabriel names this young woman not as Mary, but as favored one. Importantly, Luke makes clear that her favored status was not the reason she was chosen, but rather she is favored because she was chosen. There otherwise appears to be nothing extraordinary about Mary that would warrant God's invitation to her. In fact, to the contrary, she was just a little kid, a lowly servant. As Luke so often makes clear in his gospel, God welcomes the reversal of expected roles and has a decided preference for the weak, for the humble, for the poor. Gabriel then extends God's greeting, the Lord be with you. But what was intended by this brief comment? Was it the simple liturgical greeting we use even today in our worship? Or was Gabriel signaling something of greater importance for Mary? And just as we might ponder this question, so too did she. However, the pause is only momentary, as Gabriel then moves to commission Mary for a specific task. Her mission, ordained by God, is to conceive a child, a boy, to be named Jesus. Her vocation is to be motherhood. And no ordinary experience will this be for her, for us, or for the entire world. In fact, her son is destined for greatness, and although language is a bit obscure, Luke intends for us to understand that this child will reign with God and over God's people forever. Perhaps most notable, however, is the departure from the prophetic tradition of the Hebrew scriptures. While the prophets often met with failure, Mary's child will not. Luke tells us he will be great. He will be the son of the Most High. He will receive the throne and there will be no end to his kingdom or to his reign. Although initially perplexed, the section of the narrative has Mary clearly confounded. How can this be, she protests, 
then gently attempts to inform an apparently ignorant Gabriel of a fundamental impediment to human procreation. <laughs> Namely, she's a virgin. In addition, we can only begin to imagine her attempt to explain this pregnancy to Joseph, with whom she had not yet slept. Needless to say, we might all understand Mary's objection. How can this be? Nevertheless, Gabriel will have none of it. Rather than dismissing Mary's concerns, he reorients them. The birth will be God's doing. The Holy Spirit will come upon her, and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Confusing and complicated though Mary's task may be, God, God will sustain her through it. And finally, Gabriel seals the deal with a sign. Something obvious. Something that Mary has experienced that will confirm both the importance of her charge and the credibility of the angel's promise. He reminds her that if old Baron Elizabeth, soon to be the mother of John the Baptist, can now be in her second trimester, certainly God can work with the opposite problem, a young girl who happens to be a virgin. Now, were our text to end here, it would be the perfect replication of the various call narratives presented throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. Divine confrontation, an introductory word, the commission, the objection, a reassurance, and finally, a sign. But it doesn't end here. Mary, not God's messenger Gabriel, gets the last word. Despite the improbability of her task, her humble youth and her skepticism, Mary responds with the glorious words, Here I am the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Her misgivings notwithstanding, Mary simply and directly accepts her commission as an agent of God. So what are you and I to make of this seemingly implausible story? How are we to interpret Mary's faithfulness and joy even in the midst of a significant personal crisis? And what about Mary's response to uncertainty and likely public ridicule might comfort and strengthen us, even in the moments of our deepest despair? Perhaps we are to understand the particularity of Gabriel's announcement to Mary. Although we often reflect on Christ's presence in all that is in the world we inhabit, Gabriel reminds us today that Christ is distinctly and uniquely present in you and in me. He shares our hopes and our fears, our pains and our expectations, our losses, and yes, even our grief. And he hears our cry, how can it be? And is moved by it. And also, even as Mary is reassured by God's promise through Gabriel, she is challenged to reach beyond herself and beyond her fear to bear witness to an entire world of God's immeasurable grace. It is no easy task to which she has been summoned, 
nor will it be for us. Wounded though you and I may be, we're empowered by the promise of the Christ to hear God's grace, to be transformed by it, and to reach out to all those whose lives we might touch. To those in need of food, of shelter, of health care. To those struggling with pain, aching in spirit, or nearing the end of their days. And to all those simply in need of a place of safety and forgiveness. Dear friends, in these remaining few hours that we prepare to welcome Christ anew, may each of us open our ears and our hearts to hear God's invitation to us. May each of us accept and rejoice in his distinctive presence in our lives, our community, and among all those we might serve. May each of us respond to God's call to us as did Mary with the joyful affirmation of, here I am. And may the blue of this morning give way to the brilliant white of the sea.